Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us and we'll get into today's guest. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I'm joined by Greg Edwards, who is the CEO of Crypto Stopper. Greg, how's it going today? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I'm excited to chat. I'm excited to learn about you and your company. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, so I started out as an entrepreneur in 1998 when I was 24 and started my own network consulting business at that point with really no idea about entrepreneurship or business management or leadership or anything. So really learned learned on the fly. I actually still own that company. That's a managed services business called Watchpoint IT. So I still own that. Actually still have some of the original customers that were part of that company way back when. And I mostly absentee own that business at this point. And then I've started two other companies since then, one of them being Axis Backup, that is an offsite backup and disaster recovery company that I sold to a publicly traded company. And so varied background in different technologies, but always within technology. Mm. So it sounds like you like the aspect of it. You were good at doing it. And then eventually it evolved into <laughs> like, hey, now I own businesses and this is an ironic company. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the after I started the first company, read a book called The E-Myth, which is exactly that, where you think you can do it better than the other guy and you just have some technical expertise and go hang a shingle. And before you know it, you, you're a business owner. <laughs> and, yeah. and luck, I think, between luck and sheer persistence and determination are what made me successful in the early days and feel like those early early days were my uh, MBA program. I got that. So we'll sort of look at the two sides of the coin. What were some of those key learnings that you learned that you think make you a good leader now? And what are some of those disasters, things you learned yeah. the hard way that you <laughs> wish you had? So what, what would you share with, with young leaders, things that you've learned over your, your career as a, as a CEO and a, and a president? So, so I mean, I think one of the big things is transparency with your with your employees and making sure that that you're consistent in that transparency. So that's something that I wasn't always as transparent as I am today. Probably, maybe I'm more transparent than I should be, and that and that becomes more difficult as you grow in the larger the company is. But I think transparency and just honesty is is probably the biggest first thing. I mean, there's lots of other components that go around that. But if you start there with transparency and honesty, then everything else can fall into place as long as you manage it properly. 
And you mentioned just as we were doing sort of the pre-call, like the transparency in action. Can you tell us a little bit more about like some of the maybe systems or processes that you've put in place to support that being executed? Yeah. So some very actionable things that we do at CryptoStopper. One of those is a Monday morning all hands meeting. It's it's an update and it's also an ask me anything session. So any questions, whether it's we within the company offer stock options. So that's been one thing that's been questions people have had recently. So, you know, it's it's ask me anything and it's everyone gives a brief update of what their last week looked like, what are challenges going into this week. And I think that that's, again, feeds into that transparency of, here's what I'm doing, ask me anything about it, ask me anything about what's happening within the company. And were your previous kind of crypto shoppers, relatively small team, were your previous companies about the same size or were they bigger? A uh, little bit bigger. So I don't work well in a large corporate environment. So once we get to 20, 25 employees, I'm ready to hand the reins off and not be involved in a day-to-day standpoint I, it's just not my it's not something that i enjoy that much there's too too many constraints in place and just doing the same thing over and over and i'm more of an entrepreneur and want to be developing and overcoming challenges rather than doing the same thing over and over every day well i think that takes a good amount of awareness too right for you to know like hey here's my like my sweet spot where i can like lead effectively you mentioned again the transparency ask me anything style where you can have that like personal connection with the employees that's like your secret sauce and i find what's interesting and cool about interviewing you know folks like you is that everybody has a different way and there's no right way it's about being able to take that reflection time if you're listening to this podcast in your car and being like, hmm, I wonder if I could be more like Greg, that like I could take that and apply that. Have you found your Ask Me Anythings have changed over sort of this COVID period? And are you guys remote now or always remote or neither? We have always been primarily remote just through necessity of being able to find the right town. We're headquartered in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which... I mean, I love the town and love the area that we're in, but it's not the technology capital of the world for sure. And so we have employees in Colorado, Chicago, Florida, all over. And so through necessity, when we started the company, we were remote anyway. And so the transition through COVID has just solidified that and that I don't know that we'll ever have, certainly won't ever have a large corporate office anywhere and will primarily work remotely. So the, the other part of that question, has the ask me anything and the transparency changed at all through COVID? I mean, because we were remote already, we didn't have like a hard shift to go and, and make big changes. So I would say not that, really not that much. I mean, there's there's been times where we all are stressed out more and different kinds of anxiety and stress than we've ever had before. And, and so I've certainly talked about those things. And I've come into some of those meetings going, I don't know, guys, I can't, I'm having a hard time keeping my head up today. So you guys carry me today. 
But it's, I mean, it's cool that like one of my clients asked me, he's like, Hey, what can I do to develop trust among my team? Again, more of that transparency thing, but it, it sounds like because y'all are remote, you've had to build in those like communication systems in place so that it like does build the trust. Or is there anything else that you explicitly do as part of your operations to keep that team like cohesiveness, tightness, collaboration? Yeah. So, well, I mean, so we use some of the collaboration tools. And we started out using Slack and have actually transitioned to Microsoft Teams. So we eliminated email internally. And I can't say we completely eliminated it, but we stopped using email internally probably three, three and a half years ago and went to, at that point, went to Slack. And I said, if it's something you can put in Slack, put it in Slack and don't email. And we almost entirely eliminated email as a form of internal communication so that we have that instantaneous, hey, I've got a question about this. And it and it's much more conversational than it was in email. And I mean, that was out of necessity and just keeping the sanity because as I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this, that your inbox is just crazy to take that internal employee, take that layer away and make it more conversational again and more instantaneous back and forth has, I think for us has been a game changer. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's cool because you've sort of like removed both like constraints. I know sometimes email feels like a burden, like it's a thing you have to do versus like getting an opportunity to collaborate. So like tools like that, any other tools or any other things that you've put into like level up on that? So, I mean, the video conferencing, we use that a ton within teams where we, you know, we may be chatting back and forth through text and then just pop open the video window and talk. You don't have that office environment where you can just walk and go to someone else's cubicle and say, hey, I'm working on this thing. Can you help me out? And so we do that all remotely now. And I don't feel like we've necessarily solved all the problems of going from having an office to being remote, but we're making it work. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was already part of the culture before, because I know that like the term of zoomed out, (laughs) I can't do another video conference, but like you guys just like, yeah, we have to do a video conference. Otherwise we wouldn't see anything. Yeah. I mean, like today I've had back to back zoom teams. What else have I used today? (laughs) All the video platforms just nonstop and definitely get zoomed out. And something else that we do, I mean, when we schedule meetings, I mean, we'll try to schedule a 30-minute meeting if we can, rather than always blocking an hour. And we're always very conscious of each other's time to say, hey, if we can get this done in 10 minutes and give you either 20 minutes of that 30-minute block or, you know, whatever portion of that block of time to give back, then we absolutely try to do that and not... I don't want to say waste our time, but we don't take time just to take time because we schedule an hour for it. Yeah. Well, I think it points to the the entrepreneurial nature of the business to say like, hey, you're, everybody's aware of each other's, of their own resources, because why would you take more time than is needed? But also like the consideration of others to say, hey, you know, like that teamwork piece of it is like everybody's got stuff going on just because I can't see your stuff doesn't mean you don't have stuff. And I think the awareness and the understanding and the partnership of that is super key, like within your organization. Yeah. We talked earlier about that 
as a leader, as a manager, I really am only good up to 20, 25 employees. And I think part of the reason for that is because I just assume everybody's going to do their job. Hmm. And that trust is there from the beginning and that we're all busy. You're all going to go do your jobs. Nobody needs to manage you. And the more people and the more layers of management that are put in place, then that that trust level goes down, that interpersonal connection goes down. And so I think that that's a part of the reason that I'm, I'm not great in the, a larger team. Mm. No, that makes sense. Do you have formalized values as a company? Just out of curiosity. We do. Okay. We absolutely do. So CRST are our core values. So it's customer first, respect, solution oriented, transparent. Uh, where I missed one. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> because you're hiring remotely, has that been a useful tool to like, like set norms? Like how did you get everybody around on the same page if they're across the country? Yeah. So, I mean, we start there. We start with those core values and that transparency and respect are two of the biggest of those. And when you start out with that as here's our core values, here's what we believe in, here's the the CEO and founder that you can ask him anything at any point. You're expected to go do your job. Here's here's the things you need to do. If there are, are problems or tools that you don't have or headaches in the way, talk to the team and, and let's work through it. Hmm. Got that. Cool. So like setting that up, like I think it sounds like for you, the expectations and like laying it out on the table for your people not only helps them be successful and effective, but also help you be successful and effective to the level that you're comfortable. Like, okay, here's here's everything on the table, guys and gals. Work within these parameters and it helps everybody like move the company forward. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And one other thing that we implemented, this has probably been four years ago or so. We have an unlimited vacation policy. So we don't have a set amount of paid days off. I mean, it's unlimited, but you have to respect your other employees. So if you're like, okay, I'm just taking off for six months. Well, you know, that doesn't work. And it's actually one concern that I had because our team, and we were even smaller of a team at that point, we're nine now, so we're still very small. But um, at that point, we were even smaller and a very dedicated team. And one of my concerns was that people would not take any vacation. Rather than having a maximum of how much vacation you can take, we have a minimum amount you have to take two weeks a year. Hmm. And that works for morale and works for burnout and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. There's still burnout. (laughs) But at least changes the mindset of what vacation is and what taking a day off means. It's not like you have this three weeks or 15 days or whatever it is, is your set amount of days off that you normally would be able to take where you hold those like gold and you don't take them until you absolutely need to. Or when you do, you're like, okay, I'm completely, this is my time. I'm taking off and I'm out. And so kind of the opposite can happen on the burnout side where people then don't because you don't feel like you take any time for yourself then necessarily. So that's something that we we talk about and why we have the minimum of two weeks that you have to take because 
yeah, I mean, people will just not and then get burnt out and yeah. And it causes more problems. I got that. Um, If we switch gears a little bit, what in this, I mean, you've been leading companies for what, 20 something years now. What were some of the, like those key learnings, those like, oh, expletive moments where you're like, damn, like I really should have done that different. What are some of the things that you'd like to tell our, our listeners? 2006, I bought a competitor out in our, and so this was in the managed services, IT consulting business. I bought a competitor out that actually they were larger than we were. So more than doubled the size of our team. And they had a very different, they had a very strict structure in place of the kind of the traditional employee boss kind of mentality. And that was a a shocking change for me and for them. And it didn't go well, honestly. I mean, it, it was something where I tried to ease the employees that we brought on into our culture and tried to change our culture a little more, you know, tried to come to the middle Mm -hmm. uh, and, it did not go well. (laughs) What what was the result? Like if you're open to telling it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the result was I ended up having to sell off a portion of the business and didn't lose a huge amount of money, but sold it for a lot less than the value of it and just had to kind of reorganize. And it was not as successful as it could have been. So it wasn't like it was a complete failure, but it wasn't as successful as it could have or should have been. And in retrospect, going in and and just changing that organization that we bought that was larger than we were to our culture. And because it it was obvious within the first two weeks, who wasn't going to work in this environment. And had I just been more, which is not my nature necessarily to be more of that fire. Like I'm not one to just fight on my way or the highway. kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, which is completely counter to our culture, right? (laughs) But there are people that just don't survive. Like they need, some people need to be in an employee boss or at least think that they do environment and and that's not who we are and and I should have recognized that earlier and let the people go that I knew were never you know like I say I mean within 2 weeks I knew the people that weren't weren't going to work and should have just made changes right then yeah cuz I want the was one of the things that I wonder about in this we're going to call it the COVID world, the virtual work world, that there's some people yep. who just, they need to be able to be seen. They need to be in the office. They need to be like in that world and they sort of thrive under set conditions. But it'd be interesting to see how that changes over the next like weeks and months as this becomes like less than like a small disruptive blip and more of like the future of how it goes. How do you see it? Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to see that because we've been living it already, you know, I mean, we were already doing it. So that wasn't like a hard change for us. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I'm not exactly sure how that will play out. I honestly, I think the way that it will play out is that as so assuming that a vaccine comes out and we get back to some sort of normalcy, there'll be companies that have the traditional structure and there'll be companies that have this new, totally remote structure. And they're going to figure it out one way or the other. Some will be able to do a combination 
I don't think that we could go back to a combination. I think mm-hmm. that we're we're all remote now and we've figured out how to make that work and we're going to keep making that work and we're going to hire people that work in that environment. That's not for everyone. So I think that there'll be three different sets of kinds of companies, the ones that have a traditional office and everybody goes to the office, combination, have an office, have some remotes, and then have all remote. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as a one size fits all. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, for your company in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, the fact that you can get talent from across the country and compete across the country, you know, it's going to be, in my opinion, a great equalizer because you have all the, you know, the companies in the Bay, you know, downsizing companies in New York, not downsizing, but, you know, realizing that they can diversify and balance out their talent pool and, and take less overhead and create more nimble companies if they want to be that. Not saying they all have to be because some won't thrive there, right? Right, right. Just as we sort of begin to wrap up here, one of the things that you had mentioned, you know, early on when we started was going from like a technical guy to a leader and hiring more and more people and getting to that 20 person <laughs> cap. What was that journey for you? Did you intentionally work on your leadership? Did it sort of happen as you needed it? And what were the things that you did to elevate yeah. your capacity to lead? So, I mean, a combination of all those things. So really, I would say having some great mentors along the way was a, a massive help. So very early on, I was naive and arrogant enough to think, oh, I I can just go do this and built up to, I believe, 14 employees between 1998 and about 2002, 2003 timeframe. And I really was hating it. I was successful, more successful than had ever been. I was about to turn 30, maybe a little before 30, which was, you know, at the time I thought was this huge age number that I was hitting and like, and I was miserable, honestly, I mean, and wasn't being a good leader. And, and so had some mentors that kind of kicked me in the ass and said, you know, Hey, I mean, you, you are successful. You're doing exactly what you set out to do. You just now have to learn to be a leader. And so helped to shepherd me through that transition. And I probably read more self-help books and leadership books than, <laughs> than, uh, than, than are healthy. But you take the pieces from all of those and make them your own. And that's, that's really what I did and what I've done over the last 20, 22 years. You got to learn it somehow, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's no, and I think taking action is as an entrepreneur and as a leader, what you have to do. I mean, making the decision is more important than what the decision is. You know, making that decision, living by it, learning from your mistakes, not being afraid to say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was wrong. Taking those and turning it around and learning from it all. Yeah. Failing fast, as they say. Absolutely. Your mentor relationships, formal or informal? Uh, informal. There's one that's key that is a little more formal. I mean, like we have a once a month CEO mentoring session and he was a successful CEO and grew a company and now runs the Entrepreneurial Development Center out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So that's a little more formal, but it's still not like formal, formal. Yeah. I just think, I think it's really important. Like, yeah. you know, what you pointed to, Greg, is, is neat. Like the... Uh, 
taking time to learn it. As an entrepreneur, we have to do that. Like there's no one else who's going to teach you. But even as a middle manager, you got to go to school. School never stops. And so having somebody who's there for you is just super valuable. It sounds like it's made a big difference for you. Absolutely. Like I say, I mean, early on, I didn't have mentors and then figured out, okay, I'm not as smart as I think I am. I'm way too arrogant and need to, you know, rein that in a little bit. But then how do you go find a mentor? And the way I did it is just ask and go. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people out there that are willing to be mentors, but you have to go ask. Yeah. No, I'll just make, would you like, can I be your mentor? Can I be your mentor? <laughs> right. That's awesome. Uh, Greg, how can uh, people learn more? Actually, why don't you tell us a little bit about CryptoStopper as a company and then tell us how we can uh, get in touch with you and learn more about what you do. So the company is CryptoStopper and our website is getcryptostopper.com. And the product stops actively running ransomware. So we have this massive problem that's worldwide of ransomware and these cyber attackers that are making billions of dollars a year encrypting people's files and holding for ransom. That's all ransomware does. It just encrypts and then they hold that password for ransom. And so what we created is a tool that identifies that actively running ransomware attack once it's gotten past all the other security that companies already have in place. And so now this attack is actively running and destroying the network. We recognize that in less than a second and correlate it to how it's happening and kill it. That sounds cool. I mean, not cool if it's (laughs) happening, but cool if, if you got it in place and to protect yourself. Yeah, it's absolutely cool. And cool for me personally, when we stop a ransomware attack, we just stopped one week before last in a law firm that would have shut them down completely. And actually, the company previous to this that I own was an offsite backup and disaster recovery company. 20% of our clients were hit with ransomware between 2012 and 2015. I mean, just seeing that devastation, even when companies had a good solution to recover to. So we, you know, we were in the backup business and get them back up and running, but it was massive disruption to their companies to have to go through that disaster recovery. I mean, you build disaster recovery for flood, tornado, hurricane, and we took care of those. But when all of your competitors around you aren't down because there's not a hurricane that happened, but it's just ransomware that took you out, then it's even worse, honestly. I mean, not that one ransomware attack is worse than a hurricane, not saying that, but worse for that individual business. Yeah, it just so that how important the the continuity piece of it is, not just because of the pain and time and money energy that you have to go through to like get back up, but just like the delay on the business and like in a fast paced, highly competitive business, you can't let your competitors get yeah. ahead of you. So yeah, I mean, shut, ransomware will shut a business down in a matter of hours. I mean, and they're basically go shut off the internet connection and your uh, all your data files. And, yeah. and then you're SOL. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to make light of it, but if you, you know, before that happens, talk to Greg and then he'll sort right. you out. Yes, absolutely. Greg, where can people uh, get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you if they need a mentor? Uh, yeah. So if they <laughs> want to reach out to me personally, it's gedwards at getcryptostopper.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today and hope you save a lot of people from headache of uh, ransomware attacks. We will. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Anthony. It's my pleasure, bud. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank my guest, Greg Edwards, who is the CEO at CryptoSopper. So if you know somebody in your life who is growing their entrepreneurial business and want to learn some mistakes and some lessons from Greg, please be sure to share the episode with them. If you like today's episode, please consider rating us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor, and this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's gonna give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.